and welcome to the Navigating Childhood Cancer podcast. In this podcast, we explore all aspects of a child's cancer diagnosis. My name is Heather, and this is the information I wish I had when my child was diagnosed with leukemia. Thank you for being here, and welcome to episode 15. In this episode, I'd like to share some of the important things that I've learned from this entire experience with childhood cancer. I was speaking with another mother recently, and we agreed that we are in a unique and very fortunate position to have arrived on the other side of what was an extremely difficult and even traumatic experience, the illness of a child. One of the good things that came out of it, actually, there was more than just one good thing, But one of the important things was that we were granted a new perspective on life. We are different people now. And one of the things that I've promised myself as we are now putting our lives back together is that this new perspective will never be lost on me, especially for the benefit of the other families who are in the thick of it, or for those whose experiences have been far more difficult than mine. I want to be sure that I just never take this for granted. A friend of mine sent me an excerpt from the new David Brooks book called How to Know a Person, and it reads like this. Most of the truly empathetic people I know have been through hard times, but were not broken by them. They did not harden their defensive architecture to protect themselves from life. Instead, they made themselves more vulnerable and more open to life. They are able to use their own moments of suffering to understand and connect with others. I found this passage to be so beautiful. I mean, David Brooks says a lot of beautiful things, but this particular passage, I'm going to borrow. I'm using it to guide my own healing, and it has inspired me to look at the lessons I've learned along the way and to discover how I can use them to be a better person, to protect and honor those who are most important to me, and to be aware of the impact that I have on the world. I know that's kind of lofty, but I need this suffering to mean something. And I love the idea that it can be used to help me understand and connect with others. Sometimes the lessons learned in an experience like this can become a little cliche. There's actually a lot of cliche in the cancer world, and I think that's okay. Our minds go to those familiar tropes in order to help us through or give us the words to express how we're feeling and also to connect with others in the community. So we hear a lot that we are brave and that we are warriors, but if we aren't careful, it can sometimes feel a little glib. Like some of those tropes didn't really apply to me. I never felt brave. My kid is not a warrior. I'm not trying to be mean by saying that. He would tell you that too. We went through all of this reluctantly, and we were scared most of the time. So I feel I have to get past those sort of headlines and dig a little deeper to really get to the essence of what we've been through in order to really fully appreciate it and to move forward in a meaningful way. Because the truth is that our lives have been rocked. We have been changed by it all. And we've had a good outcome, certainly, but I don't get to just move on and get back to my old life. In the spirit of living an examined life, I feel the need to go back and really take stock of what I've learned. And today, I'd like to share some of that with you. 
Before I dive in, I also just need to say that I'm going to try to present this so that it doesn't come across as unsolicited advice. I'm in no position to be offering advice to anyone. Nobody likes that or really needs it anyways. This isn't a list of things that I suggest that you take away from your own experience. It is simply an inventory of the things that I'm trying to take away. And maybe even a list for me to return to if I ever find myself taking things for granted ever again. So here we go. First things first, lesson number one is that I need to make my own health a priority. My child did not get sick because of anything I did or didn't do while I was raising him. And he did nothing wrong. Childhood cancer is about as random as anything. But experiencing the healthcare system in such an acute way and seeing what it is like to really be sick was just the reminder that I needed to try to avoid that at all costs. Not everyone is able to prevent their illnesses, and there are a lot of things that people are not responsible for. But there is also a lot that we can do to stay as healthy as possible. And for my own peace of mind, for my quality of life, for the benefit of my children and hopefully grandchildren someday, I'm trying to make my own health a priority. For me, it started out by consuming every podcast (laughs) and book about health and longevity. And thanks to all of the experts out there, as well as some really smart people in my life, the areas that I've been intentionally focusing on include getting more sleep. This one's really critical. Eating clean, like really intentionally choosing what I decide to put into my body and making a real effort to cut sugar. Cutting back on alcohol. So I blame my really fun family and my friends for this predicament. And I wouldn't say that it's a big problem, but there is definitely room to cut back. Next is making time for fitness every day. So in addition to getting out and walking the dog and racing the kids around to all of their activities, I'm also putting more cardio and weight training into my routine. So I've learned that this also becomes more and more important as I get older. And I've also discovered that it actually doesn't take much to fit it into my daily life. I now have a bench and a bar and a few weights in the basement, so it's entirely possible to find some time to head down there and do some lifting every day. And finally, mental health. This is also so important. I think a lot of the other things that I'm going to talk about in this episode are contributing to me really taking care of my own mental health. I think this part of it is even bigger than all the others combined, and There are also a lot of factors that contribute to it, but I mention it here because it is part of our overall health and it is something that does need to be prioritized. So all of these things together are making me feel pretty healthy. When it comes to my health, I find it really helps to remember those lines like your body is a temple or you are what you eat or remember to always treat yourself like the goddess that you are. (laughs) Is that even a line? I don't know. I I might have made it up, but you know what I'm getting at. Let's just prioritize our health. Okay, lesson number two is to make time for my family. So this is a funny thing for me to say, because if you know me, you know that I already do spend a lot of time with my family. We have a big family and our gatherings are so much fun. 
but it isn't always easy to have meaningful conversations with people individually when the crowd is that size. So I'm conscious of this and I'm making an effort to really focus individually on the people who are so important to me. So first off is my kids. Obviously my kids are important and each of my kids has different needs and interests. My youngest, for example, really needs some help focusing on reading. So at the end of each day, we've started reading together. A little bit like we used to do when my children were small, except now my kid is the one who's doing the reading. So him with his book, me with mine, we go to a quiet place and sometimes sit side by side on a bed and read. And then afterwards we talk about what we read. So this really helps me to prevent myself from barking at him about his screen time. And it makes the task of reading more enjoyable for both of us because we're doing it together. So spending time together means that we're both achieving this goal. And really, I should be reading more too. With my daughter, we spend a lot of time together in the car driving to a lot of her sports practices and tournaments. So we make a point of putting on the music. We happen to have a shared love of a certain artist. And we select the songs we're going to listen to. We sing along. We talk about why we love those songs. And sometimes we even have to start them over when the talking about the song meant that we didn't actually get to hear it. <laughs> so it's pretty delightful. And obviously we have, we're forced to spend this time together in the car, but we're actually really making an effort to make the most of all those hours on the road. I also think it's important to mention that these efforts to spend time with my kids is me being intentional about reconnecting with these two after treatment. So the siblings have to wait on the sidelines when a child is sick. And these two did so ever so patiently. But now it's time for me to reconnect with them and to really make that effort to spend time with these kids while I still have them. <laughs> I know that's again, another cliche, but like they're only young ones and this time is passing quickly. So making sure that I'm taking time to really enjoy that time together has been, has been something I've tried to make a priority. Okay, next is my parents. So I talk to my parents once or twice a week and truly that isn't even enough, but I've also been making an effort to go and see them. So some days I'll even go see my parents without my kids. So again, we have family visits. I know my parents love their grandkids but sometimes I need to talk to them and spend time together with them alone. It's something I feel I value more than ever and something I want to do while I still have them in my life. And of course, I just need to say that it is so worth it. So I feel this way about other family members in my life, my siblings, their partners, even my friends who are not my family, but who I consider my family. Everyone I care about in this way deserves for me to make this kind of an effort. I reached out recently to my aunt, who I've started to become closer with as a result of the way that she really stepped up for us when my son was sick. I value this relationship, but it's one of those situations where we just don't see each other often enough. So I reached out to see if she was available for us to plan a lunch. She was a little bit shocked. <laughs> I felt really terrible. Then it was such a surprise, but to me, I saw that as a realization that I obviously don't do this enough. I want to spend time with her, 
And I genuinely don't want to fall into that habit of saying that we'll get together when we really don't mean it. So making a conscious effort to reach out and to spend time with family means that thankfully we now have a date on the calendar. These people are important to me. And if I never appreciated that before, I do now. Making time for people is a way for us to show them that they are important to us. And that was an important lesson that I learned along the way. Lesson number three is to say no. So it's so easy to get pulled in so many different directions. We really have to protect our time. I don't really want to spend another minute feeling frustrated or resentful about doing something that I just don't want to be doing. My time is important, and I think I deserve to honor myself by spending every minute in a meaningful way, in a way that's both enjoyable and intentional. So I'm practicing saying no. This started for me during treatment, when I actually did not have the capacity for certain things. I was literally unable to show up or to stay. And due to the situation at home, I got to practice saying no for my own sanity or sometimes because my family simply could not do it. And I started to like the feeling of protecting my own self-interest or the interests of my family over that need to please others. I remember standing at an island in someone's kitchen with a bunch of people standing around talking about something trivial. Well, it was something that was not trivial to them, but to me, in that moment when my child was so sick, I could barely handle the conversation. I remember looking around and thinking to myself, I can't do this. So I excused myself and I left. And that was an important lesson for me. And I've continued to allow myself permission to do this as needed. I'm not trying to be rude, but there are just things that I really feel better about saying no to. And of course, I just want to add that it's not only good for time management, but it also feels so liberating. I recently chose to say no to something that was pretty big and the world didn't come crashing down. I simply respectfully declined an invitation. I avoided what might have been an unenjoyable event for me. And I got some time for myself that I was able to use in a more productive way. So win-win as far as I'm concerned. And I'll be doing some more of that. Lesson number four is to be grateful. So there's so much research behind the impact of gratitude on our happiness and our outlook in life. Some experts recommend a daily practice of identifying what we're grateful for and saying it out loud or maybe writing it down. By acknowledging the gifts in our lives, we get to experience the positive feeling that comes with doing so. And we can get a literal surge of happy hormones like dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin. It also helps to quiet the negative emotions or the tendency to focus on the negative, which we could be forgiven for since there is so much to feel negatively about in the world. But I've simply been trying to put this advice into practice. And I mention it here because it really does help to change the narrative in my mind. Certainly, I'm grateful for my healthy child. I'm grateful for the healthcare providers who helped make my son healthy again. But I'm also grateful for the sun on a cold November day and to live in a place where maple syrup, for example, is so readily available. <laughs> I love maple syrup. 
So acknowledging that in the moment really does turn on the happy hormones. When I remember to practice gratitude, it always puts a smile on my face. And so I'm going to keep doing it. Lesson number six is to carve out some downtime and to get outside. So I've described in a previous episode how spending so much time in hospital with my child throughout that first summer really helped me to appreciate the green of summer like never before. When it was taken from us and we watched summer pass out the window, it created a craving to be outside like I had never experienced. And when I later saw my child standing on a dock with a fishing rod, surrounded by water and trees and sunlight, I marveled at how lucky we are to live in such a beautiful place and how much nature is such a huge part of our well-being and, in our case, part of our recovery. So fresh air is now a part of my daily health routine. I sleep with my window open at night, even in the winter, because I need to feel that air on my face and in my lungs. When it comes to downtime, I'm making a real effort to turn off my phone. To spend time reading or cooking or being with the people without technology around me. Most importantly, I'm working on getting outside. I'm talking here about honoring our need to turn off and to take a break from the noise and to just be a part of the world around us. I know this feels really idealistic and maybe a little hokey, but once you start to notice how much tech is taking over our lives, it becomes so obvious how important it is to prevent that from happening. So I'm making a point of carving out some time to be away from technology every day, and mostly that involves getting outside. I'm also really trying to teach this to my kids as well. Lesson number seven is to tell them. I've talked at length on this podcast about the many things that people did after my son got sick to help us through. Of course, doctors and nurses and receptionists and technicians and the dozens and dozens of people in the hospital treated us with so much professionalism and kindness while my son was in treatment. Finding a way to thank them was not easy, but I landed on simply telling them, thank you for your care. Thank you for treating my son with such compassion and love. Thank you for guiding us through this experience so professionally, and thank you for getting us to the other side. But there are also so many others who stepped up to support and care for us as a family and to care for my child individually and also to care for me personally. There were acts of kindness, great and small, and I'll say it again, it was overwhelming and so heartening to receive so much compassion. So when I step back and think about it, I realize, wow, we are loved and I feel so much love in return. When the chips were down, people really showed up. People care and they want to help. So why do we wait until there's a crisis before we admit this? Well, I think it's time for us to drop the boundaries and to just tell people how we feel. I'm talking about giving compliments. As my dad always says, they cost nothing, (laughs) but they can make a world of difference in someone's day. But I'm also talking about telling people how much we appreciate having them in our lives. I'm making an effort to tell my friends how much I value them. I tell them how much I appreciate their friendship or their kindness or how much I love to spend time together. It feels so great to say 
And I can see from the reactions that it must feel great to hear. I'm trying to tell my family more that I love them, and even my friends. Why do we hesitate saying it to each other? We feel it. I love you guys. It makes me so happy to get together. You really make my day. I met a new group of parents recently, and they are the parents of the players on my daughter's volleyball team. They are so much fun, and we're all working together, committed to keeping our kids in sport, and we work together to get our kids to practices and organize the food, etc. It makes going to the tournaments pretty enjoyable. There's one mom in particular, and I hope she doesn't find it creepy that I'm saying this in case she's listening, <laughs> but I really have some interesting conversations with her and she really makes me laugh. So this is new because I probably wouldn't have done this two or three years ago, but I decided to say so. I told her, I'm so happy I met you. We have such a great time watching the games together. And after having learned this lesson that we really deserve to hear this when we make an impact like that on someone's life, I decided that she needed to know too. What do we have to lose? If someone isn't comfortable with it, they can keep their distance. But I'm not going to hold back. If there's a chance for me to tell someone how much they mean to me and that it will make their day or help them to feel a fraction of the love that I felt when my community showed up for me, then I think it's worth it. I'm not going to wait any longer. I don't want to have regrets about not treating my people right. So I'm telling them. So if you're listening, it means so much to me that you're taking the time to listen to my podcast. I'm so happy to know you and I love having you in my life. Lesson eight and this is the final lesson, is to do the thing. So this has taken some time to discover. There was so much time for me spent away from my desk during those long days at the hospital when it felt like I never could get to the work that I wanted to do or the things that I really wanted to do at home. Discovering this allowed me to be honest with myself about what makes me happy. What lights me up? Now that I have a bit more time available to me, I'm remembering those thoughts that I had during that time, and I'm making time to do those things. For some, this might be your career, but it also might be a hobby or a pastime, and for me, it's both. I'll explain. So first is my passion, which is writing. I wrote a bit while my son was sick, so that may be why I have so much content for this podcast. <laughs> But writing for me has always been a source of joy and satisfaction. So I'm just really trying to make time to write. Not just the podcast, but also some short fiction, blogs for my work, and other random things that may or may not turn into something useful. But it feels so great to get the thoughts out of my head and onto paper. And I feel a huge sense of satisfaction and accomplishment doing that thing that's always been on my mind. The other thing for me has been my career. So I am self-employed. I have a small and stable business and I love it, but it isn't quite where it needs to be. I know it can be better and I know I can make it better. So these days I'm really putting effort into my work. I've got so many ideas and I've been talking up a great story for years now. And to be fair, I did have a very important reason 
why my work was derailed for a time. But I haven't really delivered on my plans, so now it's time for me to really bring it to life. Having a job is obviously a necessity. We need to make money, and obviously that's all important. But this is more about my need to have meaningful work and to deliver something professionally that has impact that I can feel proud of. I'm trying to honor that need by putting time and effort into my own work. I'm thrilled that I now have the opportunity and a renewed sense of energy to pour myself into it and the focus to really do the thing. So those are my eight lessons learned, my eight epiphanies about what matters, what's important. You want to know what didn't matter? And maybe this is a topic for another episode, but I'm just going to list a few of them here. Money. Money just wasn't important. Obviously, we need to earn money. We need to pay the bills and pay the mortgage. But it was literally one of the last things that I was thinking about when faced with a crisis that took all of my attention away. And when I'm really focusing on what's important, the last thing I was thinking about was money. Also, things. I just, I just don't care about things anymore. I mean, I don't care about whether I have the right shoes or the right clothes or the right car. Those things were never really that important to me, but they, they mean even less to me now. Also, what didn't matter or what doesn't matter anymore is the people who didn't show up. Thankfully, there were only a couple. I kind of see it as people defining the terms of your relationship. Those who weren't available to us when we needed it have helped me to understand that maybe this relationship isn't what I thought it was. So that's an important lesson for me to learn too. Also, what doesn't matter is what other people think. (laughs) And also platitudes, like I'm talking about those insincere things that people don't really mean. It just doesn't matter. So don't bother. Let's just not say it. (laughs) And finally, what is decreasing in importance in my life? over the past couple of years is social media. I've probably spent way more time on social media than I should have over the past 15 years or so since it sort of entered our lives. And thankfully over the past few years, I'm starting to realize how unimportant it is for me. That means I'm now spending a lot less time on social media. I'm sure there are more things that don't matter, but I've just spent the past 30 minutes explaining to you that I'm trying to focus on the positive. And so I think I'm going to leave it at that and maybe leave these nasty things for another day. (laughs) So to wrap things up, I just want to say that I don't want to wait until the next crisis before I start to really take these lessons and put them into practice. I've had the opportunity to really understand what matters and So now it's my opportunity to put that focus on those things and to make those a priority in our lives. So call your parents, be good to people, tell your friends you love them, really spend time with your kids, turn off your phone, protect your boundaries, say no sometimes, choose the apple over the brownie, but choose the brownie sometimes too. Don't say you're going to call if you don't mean it. And if you do mean it, then pick up the phone and make the call or send the text. Show up for people, follow your hearts, do the thing, and take care of your freaking health. Thank you for joining me today. 
If you'd like to learn more, you can find me online at navigatingchildhoodcancer.com and on social media at at NCC podcast. If you and your family are on this journey, I am so sorry. I hope you'll stay to listen and that you'll find something valuable here. If you'd like to share your perspective, please reach out. If you know someone whose child has experienced a cancer diagnosis, I also invite you to stick around and to share this podcast with your community. Truly, we can only get through this together.